This is Patrick Henningsen, and you're listening to On the QT at 21wire.tv. Accessing confidential data. Welcome, welcome everybody to the uh, first edition of On the QT at 21wire.tv. I'm Patrick Henningsen from 21st Century Wire, and uh, we're streaming out uh, on a number of platforms, uh, including uh, iTunes and ACR as well, the Alternate Current Radio Network. And this first segment uh, will be broadcast uh, publicly, uh, but after the 30-minute mark, uh, we're going to exit, and you'll be able to hear the full broadcast at uh, 21wire.tv. There'll be links uh, on the bottom of this show page, uh, as well as links on 21wire.tv. You can listen to the whole show if you are a subscriber of 21wire.tv. Uh, so if you're a member or a subscriber, uh, you'll be able to access this. And this is a new fortnightly podcast, uh, which we're producing. And uh, what what we're hoping to do and what we've tried to arrange here is uh, it's, a, it's midweek uh, broadcasting, although this one we're putting out uh, today, uh, just after the uh, historic vote, uh, EU referendum vote in the UK. Uh, so the British public uh, voted to leave. So I thought we'd uh, record the first episode after we got the result of that, because it is quite a significant event in terms of uh, politics uh, in Europe, and, and even it will reverberate globally uh, in different ways. And we'll break that down uh, a little bit on this podcast. And this will be different than the Sunday Wire, as, as you guys know who listen to the Sunday Wire at 21st Century Wire and ACR, and also here at iTunes. Uh, you'll know that's a three-hour omnibus radio program and we normally that runs out live for three hours on Sundays at uh, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and uh, from 9 a.m. to 12 Pacific in the UK uh, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. London time and uh, as an omnibus program uh, really try to cover as much as we can but normally what we find is that the, the majority of the news cycle uh, it just changes so rapidly now. So really what the Sunday Wire ends up really focusing on what happened uh, on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of that week. And that's sort of the main focus. There's like almost, there's almost two to three news cycles each week now. Whereas normally in the past it might have been a weekly news cycle and you could always get the roundup on Sunday. But now there's almost like cycles within cycles, wheels within wheels. Uh, and now, so this program hopefully will address some of the, the early week stories that uh, are marinating, percolating Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, although this will be a fortnightly uh, transmission initially. So we're just working out uh, some production issues and uh, uh, workflow for a number of things that we're producing now. We're working on a new television program as well, uh, which we'll be unveiling for, for members at 21wire.tv. It's called Insight. And I think we're going to have the whole episode uh, up on 21wire.tv for members and subscribers only. This will be a one-hour episode of Battle for Eurasia. Uh, we've got a couple of great guests 
for that. To learn more about that, go check it out uh, on our website. And uh, for more information and, and, and to watch it, uh, you'll be able to hopefully get a membership to 21wire.tv to see the whole program. Eventually, we will release that publicly, but uh, members will get the first crack at that show. Uh, we've recorded two other episodes, and uh, we'll hopefully have uh, four, five, six uh, also recorded in the next few weeks, and those will be released every two weeks uh, uh, here at 21wire.tv. And we did that production in conjunction with uh, UK Column TV in Britain, and the results are pretty good so far. So we're looking forward to unveiling that. But this is on the QT. So if you've listened to Pulp Fiction or you've seen any of those films on the QT, on the quiet, for members only, uh, that's the idea behind this production. So uh, we'll hopefully be able to share what we're working on. You know, for instance, uh, I'll be working on some written pieces um, during the course of any given week or month and some maybe sort of in-depth analysis on some big topics and... You know, on this show, we'll be sharing you some of my insights and my thinking of where things are going, uh, where things are likely to go, what's happening. Some of the discuss some of the moving parts. Uh, we may we may have guests. Uh, in fact, most likely we will have guests on this podcast. But for the moment, uh, it's going to be just a single cast uh, with some uh, clips. Will also be mixed in here, so that's something that we'll have maybe in subsequent episodes. So let's let's just start this week. Uh, so this is, well, what week are we in right now? I think June, June, uh, June 24th, June 25th, this weekend. So this show will overlap slightly with uh, the Sunday show, but normally this is kind of probably going to go out on Tuesday evening. Uh, so it's something to look out for then. Uh, but let's take a look at the news. Uh, so we woke up today. The whole country of Britain and Europe, for that matter, and maybe the financial markets as well, all waiting with bated breath. What will be the result of the Brexit vote in the UK? And it came back. A result was 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 turned in this morning, and the figures were released. Uh, I had uh, Basil Valentine calling me at 1 a.m. Uh, excited uh, about the Leave vote. I didn't see the call though. I saw the message when I woke up. So 51.7%, I believe, uh, in favor of leaving the EU in Britain, and uh, 48.3 or something like this uh, in favor of remaining. So that's a difference of about 1.4 million votes in the total electorate. This is a pretty, it's a pretty tight race, any way you cut it, but there's still you know, almost a million and a half differences in votes. 72% turnout for voters, not bad. Uh, eligible voters, that is. So not not 72% of the population, but still very high voter turnout. I think we're over 30 million. So if you think about that, so over half the uh, population of Great Britain, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. If you compare that to uh, uh, comparable numbers in some, somewhere like the United States, uh, what they actually get for election turnouts, it's, it's abysmally low in terms of the percentage of uh, eligible voters. So big turnout, big issue. Uh, this issue has really divided the country, although not as bad maybe as one might have thought uh, compared to past issues uh, in past decades. Uh, but certainly people are passionate uh, on both sides of this issue. And uh, there, we pointed out at, uh, at 21st Century Wire there's been a, a huge fear campaign. And, and I've checked out quite a few of the claims 
from the well from the prime minister's office uh, down to some people running campaigns for uh, remain in the EU in Britain, and some of them are just kind of really irrational claims, uh, like they're you know Britain wouldn't be able to uh, uh, sell its products uh, in Europe, and uh, anybody who's an EU migrant worker resident in the UK is going to have to leave. None of these are true. Okay, and also that the uh, George Soros uh, delivered a veiled threat on Tuesday, I think, of this week. Uh, he penned an article himself, which is an amazing uh, in itself, George Soros in The Guardian, warning that a Brexit vote, in other words, a vote uh, to leave the EU by the British people, would result in a freefall of sterling or the pound. So the currency would go, would plummet, and uh, this would mean an economic uh, downturn, a disaster for Britain. So the fact that George Soros himself is issuing veiled threats, and, and he would know a thing or two about uh, threatening to uh, attack a country's currency, of co- course, because he's done it before. Uh, the fact that George Soros is pushing people in that direction should get people to think about mm, maybe who is behind this uh who's going to benefit, and I assure you, whether the country remains or stays, uh, George Soros would have hedged his bets accordingly, and he'll make his money either way. Okay, but what it does tell you is that uh, George Soros is an operator. He's been deployed by the real money, and not to say that he's not wealthy and powerful. Yes, he is, but uh, he's a billionaire, but he's been deployed by the trillionaires. He's an operator who gets things done. That's his job. Uh, he controls some very key choke points uh, in media and in finance and also in politics. And so that's George Soros, the uh, living incarnation of Goldfinger, uh, is essentially the best way I can describe this guy. And uh, if any, if I could, if I was to bet, if anybody's going to live to 120, it's probably going to be him. He's probably had full uh, stem cell uh, replacement therapy. Uh, he'll. That guy will be around forever, maybe. He's uh, he's a busy boy. So Soros is saying, get out. So uh, uh, Or saying, stay in, uh, or the currency is going to implode. So let's look at what else. Uh, a lot of the mainstream reports, it's pretty split. A lot of fear-mongering from certain newspapers in the U.K., including the Daily Mirror, uh, that's uh, had a picture of a big black hole or a well or something on its front page last night and saying, um, don't get lost, uh, don't end up in the abyss, um, vote, uh, remain. And they said, you'll lose your jobs, your pension, you'll lose the NHS, your lives, your children. This is what it said on the front cover of the mirror last night. So how are you supposed to take that seriously? I don't know. But uh, British politics in post-Brexit turmoil after vote leave from the EU. This is uh, front page of one tabloid. So David Cameron resigned immediately this morning. Well, not quite. Uh, Resigning means that Cameron's going to be sticking around till October. So uh, he's not. He announced his resignation, but uh, he said uh, we'll probably try to have a a replacement prime minister in place uh, before the Conservative Party conference in October. So the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, is that you have a lame duck prime minister who's going to basically appoint an unelected prime minister, uh, this is not a good scene. 
And believe you me, uh, David Cameron can do a lot of damage between now and October. He's called for stability and to steady the ship until the transition is complete. Uh, a period of stability, he calls it. But in political language, when a politician says a period of stability, what they really mean is instability. So always look for the opposite. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I predict, um, and I don't take any joy in this prediction, but uh, based on the fact that we're already seeing noises, in, in some ways you could say this is engineered, okay? They knew that it was going to be a, 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 um, a leave vote, okay? And it's triggered calls from Netherlands, France, Italy. They also want to exit. And Greece, uh, well, that's always been on the cards. And there's probably a few others in the wings. I'm sure Spain wouldn't mind uh, uh, mulling over that possibility. But basically, especially some of these countries that are in Southern Europe anyway, that are struggling economically, uh, either because of the EU's lunatic um, sanctions policy against Russia, which is based on nothing, uh, a lot of Italian businesses are suffering, uh, Spanish businesses, anybody who's in the agricultural uh, or citrus markets, uh, they lost access to the Russian market. And German businesses are suffering as well because Germany's been a big trading partner with Russia. And I'm sure the Dutch are suffering a little bit as well. And this is all basically uh, EU foreign policy, which is Washington's proxy foreign policy as well. So it's uh, stick it to Russia and suffer in the meantime. So they're all saying, well, let's have a referendum as well. So potentially you set, you have a what I called a few weeks ago on the Sunday Wire, a populist brush fire that this vote could ignite. The vote in itself doesn't mean a whole lot in Britain because uh, A, it's not a, it's not a legally binding referendum. Uh, it's an indication of the public will on this issue. But this government could basically drag its heels, engineer a few crises, and then call for a uh, 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 another vote in in a similar way that they did in Ireland uh, when the Irish voted out and then they had another referendum and they had time to get all their ducks in a row and then they voted in so Ireland stayed even though they voted out. This could happen in Britain too, but it would take a crisis to trigger that event. What is that crisis going to be? That's what worries me. That's what should worry everybody else. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, but Boris Johnson will be the heir apparent in October, most likely. Uh, this is, was also said by Mike Robinson from the UK column and myself uh, a week ago or two weeks ago. This is what we said would happen, and this is exactly what's happened. So why? And back to my concerns, okay? With all these other European countries, you have the potential of Europe coming apart at the seams politically, Economically, it's not going to come apart at the seams. It, are, it, it already has economically. Y Europe is in free fall economically. You have the rich north and the poor south. The poor south is being subsidized by the rich north. But what they're not really being subsidized. The rich north is, is merely lending them money to cover the interest from past loans, which is the case in Greece. Okay, It's a Ponzi scheme. Greece is getting taken to the cleaners by Wall Street, by the European Central Bank, uh, by, the, the, by the, the lords and the masters of the paper universe uh, known as the City of London or, or Wall Street. So all the junk bonds and junk debt, which they dumped on Greece years ago, uh, came back to destroy 
and gut its uh, economy, and then they're coming back with aid packages, which means more debt, more interest, and so forth. So a vicious cycle Greece can never get out of. And this is dangerous. What you could see in Europe is a summer of tension. This could be the Gladio summer. And uh, in the second part of this uh, broadcast, I'll, I'll detail what the big agenda is. And we've been studying the situation with Europe, the, what the Brexit vote means, and looking at some of the telltale signs and studying some of the reports coming out, piecing it together, how this relates to Britain, Europe, to Turkey, and Syria. And we have a sort of a working model of the dynamic. And uh, it's a lot different than most people think. I'll break that down in detail in part two. And some people will be surprised by this, and some people will be a little bit shocked. Some people, a little light bulb will go off, and they say, actually, yes, he's correct on that. <laughs> so we'll see we'll see how that pans out. But So this is what's dominating European news right now. Uh, uh, G- Germany certainly wanted Britain to remain. Uh, that was absolutely the wishes of Angela Merkel. She made it known publicly. Um, and then within the U- within the, the UK, the United Kingdom, which comprises of the following countries: England, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Within the United Kingdom, you have potential problems here. Uh, one of them is Scotland had a referendum for independence from the United Kingdom not so long ago, and. Uh, when that vote was run last year, uh, there was a huge fear campaign. Oh, you mustn't vote leave. Uh, you must vote stay. And so they voted stay, but it transformed Scottish politics and turned it into a one-party state. Um, and I might add a one-party police state. If you look at some of the policies being rolled out north of the border in Scotland, uh, they are Orwellian uh, in the extreme. So what does Scotland really want? Uh, we're not sure, but what we do know is Scotland's already making noises uh, because the British vote to leave the EU, Scot- Scotland's making noises about a second independence referendum. The idea behind this is they would get a yes vote on breaking away from the UK uh, in order that Scotland could individually go and join Brussels as part of the European Union. So they see that as their lifeline to the EU. And so you have other talk similar to this in, in Northern Ireland as well right now as a result of this vote, this UK vote. Now, both Scotland and Northern Ireland both voted uh, a pretty substantial majority to remain in the EU. So the big dissent came from England and uh, I think a little bit from Wales as well. Uh, so the United Kingdom, is, is it's a close vote, but it's split. As well, you could say there are di- major differences of opinions here uh, on both sides. Uh, so this is interesting. So there's there's two dynamics here. There's the United Kingdom, and there's the EU. So we will be watching this closely, and uh, probably the best coverage on this topic you're going to get is probably at the UK column, which is uh, does a live uh, TV news show Monday to Friday, uh, and that'll be at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, UK time on ukcolumn.org, and uh, I might be also uh, guest hosting uh, alongside either uh, Brian Garish or Mike Robinson um, in the coming week on that program, as I did a couple of weeks ago, 
when we did a few a few episodes. So they're going to break that down for you uh, better than anybody. And they were right about the result. Uh, Mike Robinson said that on the air, I think, at least twice, um, well before the event. And it played out identically to what he predicted. So they do know what they're talking about. No other media outlet predicted that accurately, by the way. Not in the mainstream, and I don't even think in the alternative media either. So that's... uh, Good uh, props for uh, the team at the UK column. So Donald Trump uh, also on Brexit. uh, EU breakup is on the cards. People want their borders back, says Donald Trump. So there's this issue of immigration, uh, which has come in, which is an engineered issue. Okay. Uh, This is also part of the strategy, strategy of tension across Europe. And... You know, what's interesting is uh, the, the British will often blame the immigrants uh, or people blame the immigrants, but they so rarely blame the system which allows the free flow of immigrants or the system or the people or nations that caused the crisis to begin in the first place. In other words, who are funding and arming jihadists in Syria, destabilizing that country and forcing and creating the migrant crisis, okay? But it's worse than that. A British person can't go and interlope in France just across the channel and then collect any benefits they want, uh, uh, get their rent paid by the government, uh, get income support, basically go on the dole. Can't be done. It's difficult. The French don't make it easy. They don't even make it easy for the French. However, if someone arrives on British shores, uh, it's carte blanche for some reason. It's very easy, and this creates the incentive for mass migration. If it's known that it's not easy to get uh, state funding here or to get your house paid or a brand new flat and you know extra allowance for the kids and you know maybe a few thousand pounds a month from the government, if it's, if it's known that that's not an easy thing to get, you would see immigration slow down, and those people would divert and go somewhere else, perhaps Germany uh, or Scandinavia or Denmark or some place with a very uh, generous uh, social safety net system. So this is what it is. You remove the incentive. Uh, you, you remove the problem, essentially. This is why they pass through France to get to Britain. They don't stay in France. So... This is, a, this is an issue. There's a language issue as well. Everybody wants to come here uh, to either Britain or the U.S. Uh, also because of the English language. Uh, and that's seen as a very marketable language. If you've got children in education, uh, it is the second language of the world and fast becoming the first language of the world. So this is a big incentive for people to uh, also immigrate. So there's a cultural, uh, there's opportunity, economic reasons as well. And the language is a big part of that. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. That's a big factor. Uh, if people have kids with them or if they're young and they're getting into the business world or getting started on the career ladder. So uh, there's no two ways about that's a huge issue. So we'll uh, we'll break down how does this relate to Syria? How does this relate to Turkey? How does the EU situation relate? What will the summer of tension be like? Will this be the summer of Gladio? is the big question. We'll touch on that and other points in the second part of this program. Uh, This is on the QT at 21 Wire.
21wire.tv. And stay right there and do go to 21wire.tv uh, for the full episode and to hear part two. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. <laughs>